Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome uh, to another episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to celebrate another 49ers... Wait, no, that's not right. Sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, I, you know, it's just a poor habit at this particular point. Um, oh, victories. Uh, but here with me is another contributor at uh, NinerNoise.com, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. 49ers did not lose this week. Exactly. As I predicted last week. That's the only thing that I got right, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> Might be. but I did successfully predict that the 49ers would continue into the next round of the playoffs. And they have. And they will be playing on Saturday. And it will be exciting for sure. So I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, it was, you know, a good week all around. Uh, the 49ers were able to sit back and, and watch the wildcard teams beat up on each other. Um, and by and large, I would say that's what happened. Um, there weren't a lot of I mean, there were no blowouts of any kind, mostly low scoring games in the in the uh, the wildcard rounds. And just, uh, you know. They got to practice. They're getting people healthy. We'll get into all those details in a little bit. Um, and hopefully they're in a position where they can make a nice long playoff run. Um, but just to recap the wild card situation so far, uh, on Saturday, uh, the Texans uh, came back. They were down 16 nothing or something like that and came back to beat the beat the Bills in a, in a wild game. Um, the Patriots were upended. Uh, by the Titans and uh, apparently Derrick Henry, because Ryan Tannehill is, uh, in spite the fact that that his team won, is incapable of getting to 100 yards passing. So there you go. Um, the Vikings shocked the Saints uh, to earn a trip to Santa Clara on Saturday, and then the Seahawks uh, looked, you know, mediocre against a mostly Carson Wentzless Eagles team. Uh, Carson Wentz got knocked out, and I guess I think what early, late first quarter, early second quarter of the of the game and. Uh, it was sort of a ho-hum kind of game from there. Uh, certainly not the uh, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon game that, that uh, NBC was hoping for at that particular point. Um, so Chris, did you have any sort of general thoughts about wildcard weekend at this point? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely ho-hum for him because he had no idea where he was after <laughs> Clowney just speared him. And then the refs were eating cheeseburgers or a hot dog from the stands instead of watching the play. Somebody must've been. <laughs> so that was uh unfortunate. I would say it would have been extremely unfortunate if, 
you know, Minnesota had not beaten the Saints and we had the possibility of playing a once full or a once less <laughs> Eagles team. I feel like we would fare pretty well against them, but the Seahawks were not having that. They're just going to make sure to take him out immediately and bring in somebody's grandfather to play quarterback. <laughs> Who actually like wasn't that bad, all things considered. No, no, no. He was actually really good. At one point, they showed some next gen stats. He th- completed like a really high percentage of his passes. It just they just couldn't get in the end zone when it, when it all when all was said and done. They only scored. They only had three field goals. If you convert, you know, two of those into touchdowns, well, guess what? You have you have a tie game instead of losing seventeen to nine. So red zone stuff, man. It's it matters a lot. It's, it's a problem when all of your like good offensive playmakers are on IR and you have. And that's about it. Yeah, that's not good. So I wasn't very happy about that. Uh, actually, I wasn't happy about most of the outcomes of the game because I believe that I was one for four. That's not good, right? I don't think it's good. No, not, not including really. uh, a couple of blowout wins. I was like, of course, these blowouts are going to happen. And then both teams lost. <laughs> so I got the Houston one right and only by like pure luck. And then I was incorrect on New England as were you, I believe, right? Yes. And then we were both wrong on the, the New Orleans-Minnesota game. Yeah. Only because we didn't want it to happen that way. And, yeah. then, and, then, <laughs> and then you were right, and I was wrong about the Philadelphia-Seattle game because... I, I'm, I'm not happy about yeah, it. Yeah, but, but it you were smart to take the team that you knew was going to win in lucky fashion because they always do. Because that's, that's sure. what, they, what yeah. they do. I had the pleasure of watching the... The pleasure of watching the Texans play the Bills. Like that's It's hard for me to say that with a straight face. That's a statement. And these two teams are playoff teams. Just think about all these teams that didn't make it to the playoffs. Well, I really shouldn't be talking. In fact, it's been a while for us. That game was like last minute of the third quarter before Houston finally scored. And it could have been even worse because the DeAndre Carter X-49er kickoff return that wasn't at the start of the second half. The Bills kicked the ball off to Houston and... I guess they have no one better than John Ray Cotter to be their punt returner and kick returner. That's sort of odd. I feel like there should be better players in the NFL than him. But he was uh, the return man, and he decided to catch the ball. And you know, like when the return men put their arms out to the side, and like low, low, it's sort of an indicator he wasn't taking the ball out. And it, you know, it's not like a fair catch, uh-huh. but they sort of treat it like a fair catch. You know, like, like right. this year, they start, like if the ball just bounces in the end zone and the guy doesn't go after it, they just say it's down in the end zone. Well, he decided to catch the ball just because it was coming right at him after he puts his arms out to the side. So pretty much everyone <laughs> from the Texans is walking off to the sideline and he takes the ball and tosses it to the ref. And the ref, he acts like the ball is like kryptonite and just runs away from it. <laughs> and Carter's like he's looking at him like what's going on here? And a bunch of Bills just run down the field and dive on the ball and they call it a touchdown. <laughs> They're like, What? And they're like, Yeah, you didn't down the ball. You can call it for your catch if you want to. Maybe the best part were the announcers who were just like you could just tell they're like, please don't let this happen to me. Please not my game. Please not my game. I think one of my men actually said that, please not my game. Don't don't let this happen to my game. <laughs> Common sense needs to prevail here. So they they eventually after a bunch of complaining <laughs> on the Houston side, they eventually uh, switched the call and said that he gave himself up as he like obviously, obviously did. I mean, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was just to the point where even the, the guy who recovered the ball was like laughing after it because he was like, I don't deserve that score, but I will definitely take it. Yeah, so it, was, it was a wild one. And then it only got wilder at the end of the game there. On their final drive, all they needed to do is kick the field goal to win the game. It was like a second and six, second and seven, something like that. The Texans just like didn't block the two outside rushers for the Bills. I mean, and they're they're blitzing 
obviously they're, I think one of them was linebacker. One of them was a, was a safety. I mean, they, they came totally clean and Watson had no time at all. I mean, he took the <laughs> ball and these guys were, just, I mean, full speed, nobody blocking them. You know, he's going to get killed, but they like hit him so perfectly at the same time that they spun him in the air and he landed on his feet. <laughs> he didn't look disoriented at all. And he, he saw, um, Kaiwan Jones. Do you remember him from the Raiders way back in the day? No, I did not. He's some like 4'2 dude. He's a running back, you know, because they, you know, that was back in the day was when they just drafted guys who were 4'2, like no matter like if they could play football or not. <laughs> well, apparently this guy's still like in the NFL. He doesn't play very much. Most people on special teams, but I guess they're just running out of running backs. So he was just sort of standing there. I don't know if players had <laughs> sort of just stopped covering because Boston was about to get carted off the field because he's going to get hit so hard. So he just jumps it off to Jones and Jones is, I don't know if he was like Madden turbo button or something like that, but he just ran like twice as fast as anyone else in the field. He just flew down the field like 35 yards down to the, uh, like the 10 yard line. They could kick field goal and the game's over. All these Bills fans are just like, what are the odds of that happening? If one guy had come clean on the blitz, it probably would have been a fumble. But just the fact that two guys came totally clean and both of them hit him so hard and he just like... I don't know, maybe it's a, into ballet or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but it, it was a yeah, crazy ending. So anyway, I, I definitely would not go into all four of the games like that. But, <laughs> but, but, but that one, I mean, that one really was insane. And it was like the most boring game in the first half. And then the second half and, and yeah. overtime was definitely very exciting. So we had that one and we have a, what, potential end to the Pets dynasty? What, what, what do you think about that? You think this is a, it for Brady and co.? I, I think it's overblown a little bit, uh, I, but I'm also of the opinion that if uh, everybody else's football team was as successful over a long period of time as the Patriots have been, uh, they would be just as uh, thrilled about it as Patriots fans are. Um, and so I feel like everybody who's who's mad about it is just really jealous because um, <laughs> I know I would be excited if the 49ers were starting this year is like, if if twenty years from now we were talking about how every year they were in contention for a for a Super Bowl, um, and people were mad about that, I'd be like, I I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm I'm not happy. I'm 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 good with this. So all all is well. So, I mean, they, I don't think it would take much. They still have a lot of good good players on the defensive side of the ball, and they and if Brady wants to come back and they want to retool and get some actual wide receivers on the team, eh, I think they could be just back in the conversation next year but we'll see it, it all just kind of depends on what brady wants to do yeah i mean it definitely wasn't the quarterback that he's been in in past years and everyone sort of knew that he's going to fall off a cliff at some point i don't know if he necessarily fell off the cliff like i love no, peyton manning i think he, manning. I I mean, think he, he just he's still bad decent. bad people to throw the ball to yeah and actually at, at the end of the game the only reason why they i mean, one of the major reasons why they lost at the end of the game is he, he threw like a perfect pass to edelman and yeah, and he for, dropped it. Yeah, I and, heard about and that. Just, and just totally dropped it. And then for some reason, they tried to decide to punt it on on fourth down. And then Tennessee just ran all the ball down the field like they were doing for most of the second half. And New England just didn't really want to stop them. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really his fault. And, it's, and Edelman, I mean, that's something you very, very rarely see from him. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for they're sure. definitely in that game. I mean, they're definitely a better team than they're playing, even though it didn't really show. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just sort of like a, a lack of, I mean, obviously they're very interested in winning the game, but it, like I just didn't see the passion there that you usually see. And I, I didn't see Belichick going the extra step that he always does to make sure that he wins a game like that, especially after that crazy fiasco with what, 
was it like seven or eight minutes left in the game and the Pats are down by one and the Titans are for some reason like running the clock out via penalty just so they can punt the ball it's, to it, you, break. You gotta love it, right? <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I mean, I, I guess, you know, at, at the time I, I think I text you like, I'm just glad that Shanahan's not doing this because I would not be able to handle it. <laughs> and I, like I'm quitting the podcast. I'm quitting watching football and, and life. And I just can't handle this. But, I mean, looking back at it, it probably wasn't the worst thing for him to do if he thinks that his team is not as good as the other team. Yeah. Because he's saying, okay, I'm up by one. Obviously, I'm going to kick the ball back to Brady with five minutes instead of seven minutes or, or eight minutes or whatever. Well, first of all, go for it next time. Like, grow up here. Right, <laughs> but but if you're gonna if you're gonna punt it, I guess that's the right thing to do because you know, the the outcome of the punt was okay, and you're potentially giving them a little bit less time. I mean, yeah. So I, I sort of see where his thinking is, but it's also coming from a very defensive standpoint. It's that definitely, it's like a you know always ragging on Shanahan to not put his foot on the gas, and that's like putting your foot on the brake and then pulling the parking brake. <laughs> you know, it's just like, can we just make this game be over, please? Because we know we're not as good as the other team and we just want this game to end right now. So, yeah. So it was just it was sort of definitely a weird call, but because Edelman decided, he, you know, that he does not want to have some of the best hands in the league for one play, especially a very, very easy play, then they were uh, end up being victorious. And we have no more uh, Patriots in the playoffs, and I'm sure that the Ravens were quite pleased by that. The uh, I have I have uh, I know somebody who was at the game. His son lives in Nashville, so they went to the game to as Titans fans, and he was like, "Oh, well, did you guys a favor?" I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like, do you know how excited I would have been if the Patriots had figured out a way to get to the Super Bowl this year, and we didn't have to deal with, and we got to the Super Bowl and didn't have to deal with either Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes?" I'm like, "You didn't do me a favor. Yeah. Like, you made it harder." <laughs> it's a team that's definitely been there, and and they know how to win, and and all, all that. But I would take. I would have rather played them in the Super Bowl than. Both those other at teams, two other. Yeah, at least those two other teams. And maybe and maybe even the Titans, because Derrick Henry's frisky. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, but that's, yeah, I, I feel like the, the passage is the better, better team there between, the, between those yeah, two. Sure. And, and you know, even even the Texans, I'd rather play the, the Texans. Than the, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, the, no favors were done there uh, other, other than you know, the nope. pleasure of seeing Brady sad. I don't, I don't, I don't derive any pleasure from that. Uh, were you being, uh, were you kidding around or were you being serious? No, 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 really. I, I don't mind. I don't have a problem with Brady. It's, it's oh, no. really because I, I don't, I don't either. Yeah. He's, I, I th- again, I think it's just a jealousy thing. I wish I, I think yeah. everybody else wishes they had a quarterback who had won their team six Super Bowls. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't like the whole TB12 thing and all that Jimmy Crapolo. I mean, he's, he's weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. But, yeah. but <laughs> as not? are, as are most people in that this is true. type of situation. Yeah. Well, let, let's, um, dovetail that. Cause we're going to talk more about the, uh, the Vikings here in a little bit, but suffice it to say they're, they're the, the matchup that we have coming up. And I know we want to spend as little time talking about the, the Seahawks as, as, as possible. So yeah, I'll, I'll do this. Yeah. They won. They were lucky. They took cheap shots. At they're going on to play another game. The end. And we're done. And we're done with that. Yeah. Moving on. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, we don't have a one up, one down for this week because we didn't play a football game uh, this weekend, um, which means we can get right into talking about the uh, upcoming game. It's the first ever playoff game in the history of Levi's Stadium, which is cool. Not counting the you know college football playoff game that was played there. Um, so that's that's cool. The Minnesota. And, and, and the, the Super Bowl, too, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That too, yeah. Uh, which we, which do you remember that when we were when they were talking when they first announced that the the Super Bowl was going to be the Super Bowl Fifty was going to be at Levi Stadium when we were like, man, we could actually be playing in that game, and then the whole thing, and then the whole thing fell off the rails. So, jeez. The only thing we were upset about is that it wasn't going to be Super Bowl Forty Nine because yeah, that would yeah, have really just been perfect. We, we have to wait till yeah. fifty. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, um, so and and now all the Seahawks fans who are listening are <laughs> it's okay. if there are any. It's there fine. probably aren't it's are laughing it's at us. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at um, uh, some key matchups for the game against the Vikings, since we didn't have uh, as much to talk about at the top of, of the show uh, as far as that's concerned. So we're going to each have sort of one offense, one key for the 49ers offense and one key for the 49ers defense uh, that will be important to take advantage of uh, in order to get the win over Minnesota. And uh, I, you know, I say a trip to the NFC championship game, but the, the beauty, the beautiful thing is they don't have to go anywhere. If they win, they can just stay at home and, and just, you know, play a game the next week. So, um, so Chris, we'll go ahead and start with you on offense. What is, uh, the main key for you, uh, that, uh, the 49ers offense needs to focus on uh, scoring more points than the other team. I like I'm in there. That seems that's it. the end. We're done. I wasn't overly happy that Minnesota ended up being our, the team we had to play here in the uh, the divisional round because they they definitely are a well rounded team and you know they could potentially be the second best team in the NFC not just existing teams but it's just overall after us I mean they're they had some issues when they were playing on the road with Kirk Cousins because he's Cousins but if Cousins is on um, then you know, the the Vikings can beat pretty much anybody except for us. I hope. Well, obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah. The two key matchups: uh, offense and defense. Uh, on offense, I think that the key matchup is to get our wideouts active in the offense and then to do it early. I don't want this game to be a run up the middle, run up the middle, the ball to kill for you know, six yards and then punt kind of game. Yeah, we, we need to get our wideouts active, and then we need to get the ball in their hands so they can make plays, and we need to do that for one reason because Minnesota is hurting primarily in one area uh, of the team and that's uh, in their secondary. They have uh, Mackenzie Alexander who recently announced that he will have a knee surgery this week if he has not already had it. And uh, Mike Hughes, another one of the cornerbacks, is out for the rest of the year. Or at least he's on IR. I don't don't believe that they're have any way of bringing him back from here. Well, I mean, it's not going to matter anyway, because they're going to be done for Saturday. So, um, yeah. And then outside of that, you know, you of course have, you know, Xavier Rhodes, who used to be elite and then suddenly fell off a cliff. I'm not really sure what happened there this year, but he is apparently no longer good at football. And after that, we have a Trey Waynes, and then we have one rookie and then one second year uh, undrafted free agent. So, that is a group that we need to attack and we should be able to attack them with the wideouts because I'm assuming that Kendricks is going to be lined up on Kittle. Either Kendricks or one of their many, many safeties because they have like a whole, like 18 safeties on, on their, uh, they, they have like as many safeties as we have tight ends and, and quarterbacks on our team. So yeah, so I'm assuming some of those guys are going to be on the field in you know, nickel dime situations and, and Kittle might be made up on one of those guys, but it it would also make a lot of sense for Kendricks to be lined up on Kittle because he's pretty good in past events, and you know he's a linebacker as opposed to safety. So that's what I would I would, I would assume that they're going to at least have him involved 
in covering Kittle, but as we all know, no one can cover Kittle. So try as he might, you know, Kittle's going to have his time and he's going to have his opportunities. He's going to make the most of it. He's not going to fumble the ball when he can get first downs. And he is going to, uh, I think he's going to have a big game this week. And one way that the 49ers can make that happen is for their secondary not to, and they do have a, like I said, a bunch of pretty decent safeties led by, of course, Harrison Smith, who is either awesome or horrible, depending on what play it is. But yeah, he's definitely a, a serious, serious playmaker and he does make him a lot of good plays, but he is a little bit overly aggressive. So we would like for their safeties to be focused on our good wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Above average fair. wide receivers. Dangerous wide receivers. Yeah, those guys. How, yeah. How the, yeah. So if they're if they're focused on on those guys as opposed to just Kittle, and then we can, you know, allow Kittle to have something other than triple coverage, then that's going to allow the foreigners and our boy Jimmy to to be Jimmy and to put the team on his back when he needs to and you know, lead this uh this offense down the field on drives when, when we really need it. And then if I had to give a, a maybe a, a 2B or a 3B, it would be to... Of course. Either... <laughs> either, either yeah. Well, I'm saying I'm not going to do like 18 things. It's only going to be well, like that's this. Good. That's good. It's gonna, this is going to be like one line, maybe two. It's like either don't start Coleman or just get his series out of the way early, like the first drive, so we can allow our better two running backs, Mostert and Brita, to take... You know, the majority of the carries and the majority of the touches, majority of the snaps, so they can make an impact in this game because they're going to have to attack Minnesota on the ground and through the air. So, yeah, that's that like one yeah, sentence, I mean, right? Or yeah, one, that's, good, that's good. That's good. Like nice. run, run on sentence, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works. Right. It works. Job yeah. done. <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty much pretty much on the same of the same thought. Although I'm gonna flip it around just a tiny bit um i think the big thing is figuring out a way to neutralize uh the vikings pass rush which is quite good um they have uh uh daniel hunter who is uh, fourth in the nfl in sacks with 14.5 and was um uh second in the nfl i think i read today um in terms of pressure rate he caused something like 88 pressures or some crazy thing like that which is nuts um yeah, a lot. Um, and they also have Everson Griffin on the other side and a couple of um, interesting uh, interior options as well with uh, Linval, Linval Joseph um, as an interior pass rusher as well. So there there, there are um, some players on that defensive line that can cause uh, problems for the 49ers. And of course, with them suffering with some injuries along the offensive line, especially the interior um that is something that the they're going to have to watch out for. And uh, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey are going to have to have a, a really strong game. But the other way to do that is to basically give teams a taste of their own medicine, uh, something that 49ers opponents have been doing uh, lately on, on the, on for against the 49ers defense is to uh, neutralize the pass rush by getting the ball out quickly. Um, and I think that is something that we have seen uh, from the 49ers in the past, uh, and throughout the year, and I think getting the ball to players like Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders and um, even uh, Raheem Mostert in, in space and Matt Breida as well. And then, of course, Kittle, when the opportunity comes along, um, that will help neutralize the pass rush, put the ball in places, as you were noting, where against players who are sort of of the lesser variety, including those cornerbacks, um, and I think that's the way to go. Uh, one interesting matchup that I'm looking forward to seeing how this works. Uh, you mentioned Eric Kendricks on on Kittle, and I think ideally the Vikings would like to do that. But I think 
uh, one thing that will be of, of real interest will be whether or not Shanahan can isolate Anthony Barr as a coverage linebacker. Um, he might be a a, a, a good um, linebacker as far as uh, pass rush comes uh to mind although he hasn't actually been all that that good this year um according to pro football focus they have him at a 61.3 pass rush grade um oh yeah i think he only had maybe like one or two sacks he was definitely disappointing yeah but as a coverage defender he is a nightmare um and i mean that in a bad way for the vikings he had a 52.1 coverage grade um and that's not good, including a 29.8 grade last week against the Saints. Um, he is allowed 63 receptions on 78 targets. This includes the the uh, wild card game last week, which is an 80.8 reception rate for 565 yards, uh, which averages out to just around nine per catch, which is basically means he's giving up almost a first down every time you throw at him, uh, more or less. The more interesting number of this is that 409 of those 565 yards are after the catch, which means he's not really giving up great depth of target, um, but people are getting away from him. So if you can find out a way to get Kittle against him or some somebody else who's faster than him or has more sort of uh, twitch or anything along those lines, I think you're going to find that he might be gettable in that regard. And I think if Shanahan is good at at anything, I think it's finding matchups that he can exploit um, and taking advantage of them. And I think that might be one that he might be looking to to do to get Kittle away from Kendricks, who's really good in coverage and kind of focus him in on other players uh, like uh, their cornerbacks or possibly uh, Anthony Barr in this particular case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I were um, the defensive coordinator, I would not have Barr in coverage very much. <laughs> you'd you'd think so, but th- there it seems to have happened fairly frequently. I mean, seventy eight targets is a pretty high number on a for for a season for a linebacker. So it's interesting. Yeah, because he's he's more of like a like a Sam yeah. Sam type of guy. You know, who really should be in on on base downs, and I mean, he's a big dude too. Right. He's, I don't know what is he like six five or something like yeah. that. I mean, he's he's a he's a very large human being uh, that you do not want to have out in pass coverage. You want him, you know, either going after the quarterback. And, I mean, I mean, I don't, he doesn't have you know great sack numbers over the course of his career, but you know, he's good against the run. And yeah, you you want him sort of like attacking the line of scrimmage as opposed to trying to cover. I mean, please, please yeah. put him in coverage against Kittle and and just. And just sort of watch him as he goes into the end zone. That'll be fun. So yeah, I'm, yeah. So, so I've heard that Shanahan does occasionally on every play uh, put Kittle in motion. So um, it's possible that he might move him from side to side and away from the guys that he does not want him to yeah. be in coverage against and towards the guys that he does. So yeah, I don't know if the if they're going to put extra safeties in the game, one of the eighteen guys. Or what? But yeah, but yeah, please please put Barr in coverage against Kittle, and then I will enjoy this game for sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's move on to the other side of the football um, for the 49ers defense. Um, and the 49ers defense, uh, the task is pretty pretty clear. Uh, you have to put pressure on Kirk Cousins, and if you can put pressure on Kirk Cousins, uh, he is just like. It's a Jekyll and Hyde thing if I've ever seen it. Um, so these numbers are according to PFF. So, I mean, there could be other numbers from other places. But when this season, when not pressured, he completed almost 76% of his passes for just over 2,900 yards and 19 of his 27 touchdowns. Uh, his PFF passing grade in those situations was a 93.8, which is really quite good. Um, 
A bizarre number, however, is when he wasn't pressured, he threw five out of his six interceptions. So that's really strange. Um, he threw only six interceptions on the season, which is a really good number, but he threw most of them under just sort of normal, unpressured situations. You'd think that would be the opposite, but it's not. Um, when pressured, however, he completed just 53% of his passes, which is like Josh Allen range, um, for 938 yards and eight touchdowns. And his PFF passing grade was just 53.4. Um so that's that's uh, that that tells you a lot, but there is a little bit of a difference too when you're thinking about how you get pressure, um, because he's actually better against the. This is this is all strange and doesn't make any sense to me. He's better against the blitz than he is not. So when he's blitzed, he has a higher completion percentage, uh, seventy two point nine versus sixty seven point four, and his yards per, per attempt were higher when blitzed, nine point seven versus seven point six. So in other words, what I'm saying is the pressure has to come, but the pressure has to come with your defensive line as much as possible because blitzing cousins is not going to work in your favor. But if you can get pressure on them with your with your four defensive linemen, which the 49ers should be capable of doing, then they should be in pretty good shape. Um, having D Ford back will be huge um, because then they can't focus on Bosa. And then you have Bosa and we have Armstead and we have Buckner and we have Ford. And I think that will... Uh, will be good news for the 49ers defense this week. So if you are playing Cousins, what you're saying is that you do want to pressure him, but you do not want to blitz him. Correct. That's That seems to be the way of it. That was my understanding too, because you know, pr- pressuring him is extremely important because he does lots of stupid, stupid things when he's pressured. And um, I was talking with you uh, before that, you know, before we picked up Jimmy G, I, I did a couple of very, very long articles that took me a couple of months to do where I went through pretty much all of his plays in the preceding season and just like broke every one of his good plays and his bad, bad plays down. And his bad plays were him misreading easy coverage and him not having that extra half second that he needs to read the coverage. And he would make some of them like most unbelievably bad passes. And you would just be like, who is this guy? He's like, has this guy ever played football before? You know, it's like, he can obviously throw the ball really, really far. And sometimes when he's on, he's just unstoppable. But if you don't allow him the time he needs to process in his head, like what's going on in front of him, he just throws it. Like sometimes just like directly at opposing defenders. And you're like, do you remember what team you play for? I mean, it's, it's like that bad. So it really is yeah. for him. I mean, the, the pressures, it's so, so key. And it is interesting that when he's not blitzed and you get to him with a four, which is sort of what Sala wants to do, but hasn't been able to do lately, then that's when he's at his, well, at his worst between, between when he is uh, blitzed and when, when he's not blitzed. Right, right. I mean, on, so, on some level, it makes sense because if you're getting to him with four, that means you have more players uh in coverage which means that you're even though he he's back it might take he might have a longer amount of time to to make a decision it means there's no good decision to make because the coverage is is holding up ideally and i think that's the idea in in my head i didn't notice something similar and then that makes me think yeah this could either be perfect for salah if salah just maintains his normal defensive game plan and we have d ford back and you know, we're able to attack him with the four guys like we were doing earlier in the season so successfully, then this could be a perfect, perfect, perfect game against a perfect quarterback. Now, if he 
decides that, hey, we haven't been getting to the quarterback very much. Let's have a whole bunch of crazy blitzes. And this could be horrible. So it's going to be interesting to see what he comes out with. And and a lot of that will be dependent on whether the 49ers front four can get to the quarterback. Because if they're getting to the quarterback, then Salah's not going to start blitzing guys yep. for no reason. I hope not. Absolutely. For my, for my own sanity. Otherwise, the Browns can have him. So if we're, if we're getting there with the front four, that, that's what he wants. I mean, that's what everybody wants. <laughs> Any that's the ideal situation wants. for everybody, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't usually work, but except for the 49ers in the beginning of this year because they had you know, two elite guys on the outside and two elite guys on the inside, so that's a pretty good combo. So yeah, so you know, pressuring Cousins is definitely going to be the key to this game. And I, I tweeted something out earlier today that the Vikings winning games, at least in 2019, has been almost entirely dependent on how well Cousins plays. My tweet was a list of all of his pass ratings that were sorted by pass rating and then the outcome of the game. And the top 11 from 141.5 all the way down to 96.4, every one of them were wins. And the bottom five from 94.2 to 52.9, the average is 78. All five of them were losses. I mean, obviously you think you know, your quarterback is playing well, so it's more likely you're going to win, and that's true. But it's not usually like this. I mean, this is like, they're just totally dependent on him. And a guy who's so, I mean, in the past, he's been extremely inconsistent. This year, he's been still inconsistent, but a little bit less so, just depending, it's really depending on the pressure. So the 49ers really need to focus on, on the pressure. And I don't know if they want to do it by stunts, sort of rather they not, sort of rather they just unleash the front four at Cousins and then have you know, linebackers, especially Greenlaw, who's been doing really good at uh, watching out for the screen game because the Vikings do like to throw screens and they have a couple of dangerous running backs who can catch screens and take the ball a long ways, but if they're able to pressure him, it looks like, you know, right around 95 quarterback rating, which is, you know, it's good. It's fine. But if you're able to keep him under that, at least in 2019, then you won. So that's sort of what the four, I mean, the four nights should be shooting for less than that. But if the four nights are able to get him to that pass rating, then you know, I think they have a very good chance of winning this game. Obviously the other thing on, on cousins, this is, his history of, you know, playing is worse when the lights are the brightest. <laughs> and I think he's like 7 and 15 in primetime games. And that's what I was really hoping this was going to be a primetime game. Because I, I think he, I think he's scared of the dark or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but also he doesn't, he hasn't, you know, before this last week, he didn't have the best um, um, record in playoff games <laughs> either. So it's, it's not just the primetime games. It's just pretty much the big games. You know, he's never really played well. And, and you know, this last week, he he made a couple of plays when he needed to make them, but I still don't think that he played all that well. And, you know, watching the game, you can see that there are definitely some ways that you can you can attack him. I mean, he, he threw a pass that had to be exactly where it was, and it was a nice catch. It was almost dropped by Thielen, and it ended up winning the game after, well, I guess two plays or three plays later. The uh, threw that the ball to Rudolph in the corner of the end zone, and he pushed off slash didn't push off. I don't know, whatever. But you know, who, who knows these days? But um, I guess that's what, you, what happens when you put a little guy up on a, a big guy. That little guy doesn't win. So I guess the big guys were allowed to push off just because mm-hmm. he's so big. Yeah, holds but, up. 
yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll leave that debate to the the fans of last week. I'm sure the Saints, I mean, you know, Saints will complain about <laughs> anything. So yeah, so yeah. This year he is six and one at home. Then what? Four and four on the road, and now five and four on the road. Another interesting stat is that you know now including the playoffs, he's won all but one game indoors, and then outdoors he's two and four. So he is a quarterback who plays a lot better indoors and that's not news i guess because there are lights on in there so last time i checked levi stadium is outside it is and it, is. it will not be dark so nope. so cousins you don't need to worry about that you don't need to bring your blankie so um <laughs> no, that probably, that wasn't very nice i'm sorry cousins yeah. no <laughs> but hey i mean this guy's been through it all it's like it's gm didn't even know his first name like a couple years ago so maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll just call you Kurt. I mean, he, does he know anybody's first name? <laughs> yeah, he knows his own first name. He knows Dan, he, knows, he knows Dan's first name, and he knows he knows his own first name. That's about all he cares about, right? Kurt Cousins. Kurt. Good Kirk. old Kurt. I think I was just talking about your part, right? Well, yeah, I mean, whatever. I tend the, to do that. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> well, well, you picked the good one, man. Come well, on. Yeah. All right, so I'll talk about all the rest of it, which is pretty simple. If the foreigners are able to get the Cousins, then... Yeah, we're in business. If we're not able to get to Cousins on uh, every play, that's unacceptable, but it's going to happen. So we're going to have to contain their rushing attack, which is you know, mostly Cook and, uh, and and Madison, and two backs who can catch up all the backfield and running it at uh, you know, a half-decent clip, and they're getting the ball into the end zone when they're in the red zone. So they are... You know, especially with Cook, is you know, he's definitely not the largest guy, but he had something like 13 touchdowns on the ground or something like that. So, and and those will, he didn't even play a full season because he was out for a couple, couple games, as he always is. So, they are going to need to stop their rushing attack, which is you know it's more explosive than it is you know like they can just pound it out on the ground like uh like like Henry was doing over the Patriots last week. But they also need to worry about these guys in the passing game because. Luke Cook had over 50 receptions and another 500 yards through the air. So they're going to have to watch out for a guy who's over um, 110 yards per game via both the uh, receiving game and the, and the, and the rushing game. So you have to watch out for him. You have to watch out for you know, his backups. Sometimes you can throw them in there. You don't know, really know the difference. You know, Madison can sometimes be shot out of a cannon. You know, two guys that they're going to dump the ball off to a lot, especially if the foreigners are able to reach uh, Cousins with the front four. So we need our man, Dre Greenlaw, to be his uh, self from two weeks ago and sniff out those screens. Because, uh, you know, one problem that opposing teams have had against the Vikings is when, you know, they do blitz which hopefully we will not have to do. And maybe, maybe that's why his numbers are so much higher when he's blitzed is they've caught a lot of those dump off screens that have gone a long ways on, on those types of plays. So we got to watch out for that. And then of course we need to watch out for their duo of wide receivers who are depending on like what season or what week it is, like somewhere between like eh and hurt or elite and uh, in, in digs and Thielen. And I guess both of them are dealing with uh, injuries slash illnesses. I think Diggs has missed two straight practices with illness, but you know would be expected to be back for the matchup on Saturday. And then Thielen, did you have any, any more information on his uh, his injury? Because you said he was limited today. Um, he it, uh, so we're recording this on Wednesday. He did not practice on Wednesday. There was no report from yesterday. So. 
I, I, it lends me to believe that something's going on. It's an ankle injury. Um, and of course he is just returning from a hamstring thing that he was dealing with toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot going on. I, I don't even know if it's the same leg. I imagine if it were the same leg, that would be very problematic, but he obviously not, they don't have to put out a final injury report for one another day or so. So it's, it's hard to say, but at this point, um, their health, uh, is definitely looking, uh, shakier than the 49ers which is kind of funny to say considering where this team has been all year Thielen does like to run out of the slot so and, and he is obviously the bigger of the two so i wonder if it's going to be e-man time because if they don't really have a wide out who's spending a lot of time on the outside who's significantly bigger than an e-man he's been a little bit shorter than than Diggs is and then what else do they have they have a uh, treadwell but not overly <laughs> overly worried Man, about what that. a him. use of a of a first round draft pick that was <laughs> yeah i guess he, he is uh of substantial size and then they have, uh, they have another kid um what's the other guy's name john johnson i think that feels like you made that name up but sure <laughs> can't remember and actually it's not that i can't even remember what his first name i know his first name starts with an o and there's no way that i can pronounce it so it's just, it's just like I, i'm pretty sure his last name is johnson Probably. so look that up and then and then laugh at me about it but he's got he's got some fairly unpronounceable uh, first name uh, at least when i looked at it and then a very pronounceable second name so you know they, they have those two guys and then you know, not not very much more, at, you know, from the wide receiver uh, position. So obviously, Treadwell is a guy that is large and would not be the kind of guy that you want up against E-Man if he were good at football. But Treadwell hasn't really been too good at football for the vast majority of his career. The receiver is Bishi Johnson, B-I-S-I, Bishi or Bishi. Bishi. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think I think his full name might be. It's probably something. Oh. Yeah, it's probably something else. But that's what their roster on on Vikings.com has it listed as. Oh, maybe yeah, they, they, even they can't pronounce it. Yeah, because I thought <laughs> I thought not. it was like a, I thought I saw like an O. Dot Johnson, and I'm like, who is this guy? Ocho Cinco. He's coming back. So yeah. So I think that, and I hope that it is E Man time. How do you how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think so. Especially because I mean he's. Because he's a, a shorter guy, I feel like he might be able to to deal with digs. I would feel more comfortable with him uh, dealing with that uh, than Sherman, who's not quite as fleet of foot as he used to be, um, which is saying a whole lot because he's never really been all that fleet of foot. Um, and the size thing is not going to be a problem. And I think in terms of athleticism that, that Mosley might be able to stick with him um, and then uh, figuring out a way to sort of blanket feeling using Sherman and, and – uh, um, and uh, Kwan Williams, I think, might be a good idea. And then, as you're alluding to, outside of that, the wide receiver position isn't really all that frightening. And then, um, I think you got one other person that we need to to, to think about there. Rudolph, as well. but he, he's just mostly uh, a red red zone guy. So, yeah, yeah, right for sure. And and having Quan Alexander back, if he indeed plays, I think that will be his primary responsibility. Is do you see that guy over there? Make sure that he doesn't catch the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so hoping that, that he's back. Even if he, you know, even if he doesn't play that yeah. much, if he's just able to, to, you know, to come out of the, uh, you know, the tunnel, hopefully last. I mean, that crowd is going to be rocking. Sure. So I'm re- really hoping that. Well, first of all, that he's healthy, most importantly, and then if he's healthy and he's able to play some, even if it's not obviously full full game would be would be the best, but able to play some, then 
I, I think that'd be a really, uh, really big up, up for the team. And yeah, you know, Rudos, he he has making some plays in the middle of the field, but he's more of just a red zone threat. But he's a he is a red zone threat, so he's a guy you have to definitely do have to pay attention to. But all, all, again, like all this is moot if you just get pressure on Cousins because Cousins will do dumb things and he'll turn the ball over. And uh, that's one thing I didn't put in that tweet is is that you know the turnovers are significant. And, and obviously they contribute to the passer rating, but even though even fumbles as well, which do not contribute to the passer rating, you know he, he he seems to fumble a lot in those games that they they lose as well. So yeah, you know, obviously turnover margin apparently important. Like I say every week, and I'll just say it again this week. So yeah, so so those are the you know basically <laughs> how how do we stop their their uh, their offense? You know we stop Cousins like you said, and then we stop all their targets. So th- there's your analysis. Boom. Yeah. No, okay. That seems simple. Um, as just a point of reference, as far as Quan Alexander is concerned, um, JJ Watt played right around fifty percent of the of the snaps for the Texans um, uh, against uh, the Bills, and that was with a week less to uh, sort of rehab and to to get healthy. And he, even though he his injury took place for it's it's about on par is what I'm trying to say, because um, Watt's injury happened four days after. Quan Alexander's did, and so they're you know about on the same time frame, roughly. So, all right. Um, so let us go into the final section. Let's talk predictions really quickly. I do want to run through the other three games along with the 49ers uh, game. We don't have to give scores and everything for all the other games, uh, but we will, as always, for the 49ers matchup. Um, so uh, I think Ravens are going to win over the Titans. Although I think that game is going to be closer than anyone expects it to be, mostly because this is these are teams without like really super strong passing games. It's going to be a real run heavy game. It might look real ugly and kind of sloggy, but um, I think the Ravens will, will end up winning that one at the end. Uh, Chiefs over Texans uh, in a game that I don't think will be particularly close. Uh, And then I'm going to go Packers over Seahawks uh, for the uh, other NFC game. Um, And then for the Niners game on Saturday afternoon here in the East Coast, at least uh, barely Saturday afternoon on the West Coast. um, I think they are going to have a revitalized pass rush for a pass uh, for a, you know, a front four that has looked a little bit shaky in recent weeks. And I think uh, D Ford not being there has really hurt them mostly because if you go from four strong pass rushers down to three, it stands to reason that the other team will then be able to sort of stop that a little bit more easily. Uh, so I think having D Ford back will be really important. And the rest of their defensive starters looks like Chikwasi Tart is going to play. Um, and then as we mentioned, having Quan Alexander, even if it's only for, you know, 30, 40 snaps, I think would be a, a huge uh, opportunity out there. Um, and then hopefully this will be a game that we don't have to deal with another insane ending because I'm just really, uh, my heart can't take it. It was nice to have a week off, but I, I don't think I, I'm ready for it. Um, I wouldn't be completely shocked if it ends that way, but I, I think it's going to be a game that the 49ers are going to get out ahead of and hopefully put their foot on the gas as we have talked about quite frequently. Um, I know it's a pretty high line as you're going to get to in a moment. Um, but I am going to go 49ers 31, Vikings 21, a 10-point advantage. 49ers to the NFC Championship game against the Packers, as it were, in my particular thing. So, Chris, thoughts? Yeah. So, you know, for the 49ers, they do have a pretty good over-under of 44 and a half, which is, where is it, up to 45 now? Yep. Yeah. 
44 and a half is going up. I believe that's actually the lowest line of the week, which, which is yeah, <laughs> that's well, not terribly surprising considering the Chiefs and yeah. the Ravens are playing in the other two game in two of the other games and they've been pretty high scoring teams. Although the 49ers are the second highest scoring offense in the NFL, so it's kind of like strange that that's happening. I have to imagine that the Kansas City uh, Houston games, yeah, going to be. Uh, you would imagine it being a high scoring affair, so it'd be, you know it, it'll be the two nothing game, obviously. What is the over? Yeah, it's a fifty one, I think. <laughs> so yikes! I, I like a good over under like fifty one. <laughs> yeah, it makes for good good defensive football. So all right, so I will I'm, I will take all the favorites because I think all the favorites will win, <laughs> and and I. Especially don't want Seattle to win because mm. even though I believe that the Rogers led Packers are a better team than Seattle, even though I, I think that they're a little bit fraudulent as well. They're not at, at like Seattle level, <laughs> um, but I just don't want to play Seattle again. I'm done with them this year. Like we talked we talk about last week. So yeah, I, I, I would rather yeah. the better team, even though it is the team that we annihilated. Uh, earlier in the year, and we've had fairly good luck against them recently, um, especially in the playoffs. Uh, although we had a very troublesome run uh, against them in prior seasons and prior decades, so yeah, I sort of hope that the Packers are able to pull that one off. But you know, I want I want that to be a very you know, tough game and you know very. Not necessarily violent. I mean, don't be spearing Rogers. You know, what I mean, yeah, don't be doing yeah, stuff like well, that. Yeah. Like, just like play the game within the rules, but like hit people hard, please. If those two teams can sort of come down to the wire, and you know, I'm sure that they will with with Seattle. It's like Seattle can never not come down to the wire, no matter who they're playing. Yeah, so, they always play a yeah. weird game, as as I've seen. Like I said uh, before, the the Four Niners played them, played them last night. You know, their luck will run out, and it, it ran out in that game, and it will run out again. And it will hopefully run out in this week's game. And if not, then next week. Because that's going to be crazy if they come to San Francisco and San Francisco is able to be victorious. That's, yeah, that's going to be nuts. So anyway, so I will take, are we, are we going points or are we just going straight up? Just straight up. Yeah, straight whatever. up? I'll t- All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Points makes it a lot more interesting. But yeah, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take Baltimore. I'll take Kansas City. Yeah, I think Kansas City would be sort of a fun yeah, I agree. Super yeah. Bowl. Kansas City, 49 Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know if it would necessarily be Maybe fun not. for us at the end, but I, I don't want to to play Baltimore again in the Super Bowl. Agreed. As you know. So, yeah. So, I will take um, Green Bay. I'll take Kansas City. I'll take Baltimore. I'll, I'll do the the easy thing that anybody who's looking at the lines would do, <laughs> like a child would do, which my analysis uh, sometimes reaches that level. And for the 49ers game, uh, 44 and a half, Niners by seven. It opened, like, well, it, I guess, officially opened at seven. But the, you know, right after the, the games, it was the Niners by seven and a half. And I was sort of shocked by that because I mean, how can you give the Niners more than a touchdown? I, I don't know. It, and, and even it staying at seven, I think, is a very, very good indicator for the Niners, <laughs> even though the, a lot of the teams that have had, you know, the high, lines so far have not fared too well but eventually vegas will get it right and hopefully they're gonna get it right this time i however think that the game will be closer than that because i'm going to reverse jinx us so as opposed to the 10 win or 10 point uh victory that you predicted which was a 31 to 21 see 44 and a half seven points so that is what (laughs) another a couple of scores that will not happen 
what, 26 to 19 or 25 to 18. <laughs> but, but, I like it. Both of, both of which. And Very difficult numbers I to get not, to, 25 especially. So, so, yeah, so let's just, let's just, let's just say 27 to 20 because that's something that it was like feasible. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so 27 to 20, I think I'm going to throw another four points. So it's going to be 27, 24. Yikes. So a three-point game, you're going to lose another year off of your life. Probably. I have a couple more gray hairs. And and by saying that, then they're just going to annihilate them. So that's my prediction. So. I like it. I like it. All right, cool. Well, uh Thanks, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the Niner Noise podcast. We are part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network, and we're glad to be here with you um, throughout this season. Um, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform, be that uh, Google Podcasts or Apple or wherever else that you get your podcasts. And if you would, leave us a nice review and share the podcast with all your 49er fan friends. Uh, we hope to be with you uh, next week to talk about yet another 49ers victory. And until then, we will see you next week, Niner fans. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.